Your victory, 91.5. Good morning. Reisenstein continues here. What? Uh, <laughs> we can't stop. What about our tacos? We need to get <laughs> <laughs> Ray Haynes is still here and uh, talking about Pentecost. Talking about practice. practice. And and this would be part 11. All of this, and you know, we were just talking that each segment was about 10 minutes long. Yeah. So they're long pieces. And there's a lot of stuff in here, but it's a lot of stuff that a lot of folks maybe have never heard. Or heard different perspectives. Or, you know, you you might come from any perspective Mm -hmm. on this one. So if you're like me and you want to go a little deeper, but you only caught, your brain only caught 15 seconds. Right. uh, There you're gone. Squirrel! Yeah. You can go to blog.victory915.com. That's very simple. Blog.victory915.com. Or even simpler, Rise and Stein or the Victory Facebook pages. It's all there. Now, I'm not going to teach all of this. We're going to do two more segments. Okay. and then, But we're going to post all the notes. So even the stuff we don't teach, we're going to put there so you can kind of read it and study it if mm-hmm. you sort of like. Yeah. And last year we taught on this as well. There's some overlap there. But if you see the old notes, those won't have everything in them that we've talked about this morning. So we'll post all of the notes in about... 15 minutes. It'll all be on the same blog. All the segments from today and today's notes. 2016. Okay. All right. Break 11. This is the journey. First fruits is the second day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's the beginning of something, which is the countdown to Pentecost. And it's part of something, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and all that it represents. And basically, that particular feast, the first day is a a holy convocation, a Sabbath. Mm -hmm. You don't work on it. And the seventh day, you do no work on it. All right, that is that Feast of Unleavened Bread. So it begins to represent, and that's the first, as you're starting to count down the 50 days, that's the first seven of them, the, well, first four or five of them, the feast really represents our daily lives as Christians. So unlike creation, when only the seventh day was holy, now the first and the seventh day are holy, mm-hmm. because at the death of Christ, we entered our rest. And so everything we're supposed to do as Christians is from grace mm-hmm. to grace. We're not supposed to be in some kind of labor. We're supposed to be in rest. And the rest we get is by allowing Christ to work through us. Right. And, of course, you have uh, back in when the, the, the veil was rent in two and the, the dead were raised to life, Jesus walks out and he ascends into heaven. And there's um, that image is of us coming from death to life, just like Jesus came from death to life. We were buried with him, r- uh, r- risen with him. So now the time from that, that first fruits, that first, that feast, to the one right now we're celebrating, which is a feast of weeks, Pentecost, has a lot of interesting history. So mm-hmm. I want to j- keep these last two pieces here because this is the best summary of what you're going through. Because, you know, life is tough. And you, sometimes you think, man, am I just a lousy Christian? I mean, what in the world? Why do I struggle with all these things? Mm-hmm. And the answer is in, in, this, is in this festival, really. So um, this is also the 40 days that Jesus was on the earth after his resurrection. All right? Before he ascended. Ten days later was Pentecost. So a lot of things interacted here. So number one, this was the time many thousands years earlier that was the ending of Noah's flood which was the first rebirth of the world, all right? So that that beginning of the countdown to Pentecost, that was the ending. So it's that celebration that God's never going to destroy the world by water again, but it's also the reminder that God does not look at you in a way of destruction. Hmm. 
And that's you need to to get that first concept that God's now looking at you not like a wicked earth, not a person struggling with sin, but as his beloved. It's something's changed, and a promise has come with it is I will not look at you in your condition. He I sees, choose you. He sees us as Christ's righteousness. I mean, I, and I know we can't wrap our minds around that. That's just too big. I mean, because we can't look at each other mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, he doesn't see the old David Stein. Mm. No. Old, old David died at the cross. And if you repent, you fall into a sin again, you just beat the daylights out of yourself because you're like, how many times? Well... We don't know how many times you're going to struggle with that, but the, the one thing we can guarantee is that God will look at you the same when you come to him because his desire is to resurrect you, yep. which means your deadness doesn't offend him, and that's important. This is all the so the time that Israel crossed the Red Sea under the protection of the cloud or pillar of fire. There are shadows of our rescue and our baptism. Until then, technically, we're in Egyptian territory, but now we're in Arabia. So the minute we enter our baptism, just like the Red Sea, we enter our rest. So they march directly into the sea, and it's split in two as they walk through it. We march directly into death, which is lost its sting, and we walk into the arms of Jesus. We get to have a serious peace when we're on our deathbed or when we're facing any situation to think, what, what is coming? I can't walk into the sea. I've never done that before. Well, we know that God is with us. We have great confidence when we bid farewell to someone who knows Jesus because we can trust that when they walk out on the other side of that sea, they're with Jesus. Mm. I think it's fascinating to me, at least, that the song of Moses is sung in Revelation. And it's the song sung on the other side of the Red Sea. And we're, the Bible says, we're going to sing the song of Moses. Mm -hmm. And that's a cool realization Mm -hmm. that we've walked this journey. And I tell you what, if you feel like you've been overwhelmed by the enemy over and over and over, go back and, and read the song of Moses. It's the other side of the story of when we talked last at Passover about Jesus raising up the dead from Hades and ascending Mm -hmm. into heaven. It's the other side. It's what happens to the other people in Hades who are not saints. It's that destruction. It's all what happens to the judgment, the justice, the the need for things to be set right. Mm -hmm. It's that beautiful story. And we will sing that. We'll look back over the earth and how the enemy has buffeted us. And it'll be a time of celebration. Mm-hmm. Another event that happened on this journey, and we're talking about the desert journey, which also equates with our life. It was a time of testing at Mara or Mara. It's a picture of the Christian life. In Exodus 15, they come from the Red Sea. The wilderness was sure, and there are three days. They found no water. And the waters of Mara, they were bitter. And the world of sin is now bitter for us. What we once loved is no longer sweet. We can't enjoy it the same way. Like people complained against Moses, what shall we drink? He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. (laughs) When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Jesus is that branch, as in the cross. Mm -hmm. When they came to Elam, there were 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. So God takes you once you come to Jesus and he meets that need. He's got an answer for your ongoing need. He's not going to continue to. You may come through situations, but he's going to meet the need. Mm. So that time of testing is important for you to know that, you know, 
it doesn't mean you're not a super Christian. It doesn't mean that you haven't arrived. If you keep going through times of testing, it means you're normal. That's the normal. Mm-hmm. Like it or not, that's the normal. They next entered the wilderness of sin, and that's not the literally words. It's spelled the same, but we're not talking sin. It's between Elam and Sinai. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And so that's the beginning of this journey of manna. And God is going to provide for you miraculously. Mm. You can have that expectation in your journey through life. This is the testimony of Pentecost. God will provide for you miraculously. Mm-hmm. You have an expectation. not a, You don't have to pull up some extra special faith. God will do it because he's promised. Uh, Rephidim means resting place. And that's where they got water from the rock. Now, it's a fertile valley between Shur and Sin, the wildernesses. And they expected water to be there. And there was none. And that speaks to how we get unreal expectations and we place them on Jesus. Well, you said this and you said that. And you know what? He may do it in a different way. Just we have to walk in that and we have to get there and see how God's going to do it. But the Lord said to Moses on this, Go on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take your, in your hand your rod and with, with which you struck the river, that, the sea, and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. You shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it that the people may drink. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That rock being struck is Jesus on the cross at Passover. And the water flowing from that rock is the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost right now. And he... Moses called the place uh, Massa or Meribah, which means testing and contention because they were they're just contentious because they tempted the Lord saying, is he among us or not? And that's what you you've, Pentecost is certainly about, is to ask yourself that question, and is do you accuse God of not providing, not being there for you? Are you in a place of contention? Is that why you're not encountering him the way you need to encounter him? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're going through a struggle. Mm-hmm. So that's that first thing. That, but the real amazing part, the next two pieces there, we're going to do it in the next last final break, which was the rock that traveled with them. Imagine this people traveling around with a gushing water rock uh, through the wilderness. And, and how you, loss of a temper lost Moses' ticket into the promised land and we'll we'll wrap it up with that one. If you are interested in all of the segments from this morning's teaching on Pentecost with Ray Haynes on Rise and Stein on this special edition of Study Your Spouse Thursday, you can find them at blog.victory915.com or just go to the Rise and Stein Facebook page or the Victory Facebook page. Final segment coming up and then we'll post the notes. Bullard Land Planning at Logan